It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one. Four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study, the first one for 2016, January 7th, 2016. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Hey, Jacob. Great to be with you tonight uh, in the new year and back on the Virtual Bible Study. We did something we have never done before. We took an actually a two-week-off vacation. Uh, both of the last two Thursday nights landed on sort of holiday nights where people would have been really busy. So we just decided that we would uh, throw in the towel and uh, take some time off ourselves. So uh, we've been off for two Thursday nights, but we're back in the saddle and, and, and uh, ready to roll. Some of them, some folks looked at it as community service by yeah, taking some that, time off. Yeah, that's right. But uh, we, I missed it, and I'm glad to be back. Glad that you're. Here with me tonight, Dad. Glad that you're on the other end of the line. We look forward to hearing from you. 877-381-4567 is the number to call. Be the first one to call in 2016, and uh, you can just tell yeah. folks. That and we got the chat room rolling. Yep. Uh, we're, we're monitoring our emails, so you got a lot of ways to make contact with us, uh, and we hope you do that. Before we get started tonight, Jacob, I thought we'd make a final plug mm-hmm. for our Bible reading calendar. This is the 15th year that we've printed a Bible reading calendar here at College View. We really like it. We like the layout. Mark Roberts down in Texas is the one who came up with the layout of it a number of years ago. And basically, you read five days a week. Right. Uh, and and what that allows is if you if something happens and you miss a day, then on Saturday or Sunday you can catch up, and, and it really helps you stay on track. Uh, we like the Bible reading calendar that we're using, and we print one up every year. Uh, it's a little late to get your hard copy. We can if you want one, but it's on our website. It's on the it's on the homepage at collegeview.com. And you can go there. You can download it. You can print it. Or you can, if, you, if you've got it on your smartphone, you can just open your smartphone every day and, and see what your reading schedule is for that day right on your phone. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, we think it's really valuable. You're, you're like three, almost four days behind now. You but can catch up. You can catch up. You can catch up this weekend. That's yeah. right. So uh, we just thought we'd make a final plug. But again, if you want a hard copy of it, send, send us an email. And give us your snail mail address and we'll mail it, but you're going to get more days behind if we do that. Yeah, so just go ahead and check our website for that. You'll definitely want to get started on that. It is a good way to get that done, and so check out our website. Or if you need that hard copy, send you an email. Yeah. Uh, speaking of emails, Jacob, uh, we always mention that on Thursday about noon, I think I did it about 11 o'clock today it looks like, uh, we send out an email telling what our topic is going to be for Correct. discussion. If you're not on that email list, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Just say, add me to the list. We'll do it. Uh, and on Thursday, you'll get our topic for discussion. Also, on Tuesday every week, we send out our weekly bulletin. So you'll get two emails from us a week. Uh, we'll try to keep your email private. We're not going to share it with anybody. Uh, but if you'd like to get those email mailings, Send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. All right. Questions at collegeview.com is the way you get on the list. Kevin Kelly's listening tonight in Cincinnati, Ohio. 
Uh, he started listening to the program. He says way back in 2006, he was traveling on his way home from Lawton, Oklahoma. So thank you for listening that long, Kevin. Wow, Kevin, you're a veteran. You, 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 you've uh, he's been stayed with us a long time. time. Yeah, and uh, he uses the Bible reading calendar. He likes it. He's read through it several times using that. So. Uh, good for that. And Guest 3400 says, Funny thing, I saw a car in Franklin, Tennessee area a few weeks ago with the Virtual Bible Study website on the back of it. Reminded me of this program you all do. So, Well, I wonder who that was. Well, glad somebody <laughs> saw that, and uh, glad that it reminded you. So yeah. glad you're here tonight. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We've got to get some new bumper stickers printed up. We're out of bumper stickers, uh, window stickers and stuff. We need to get some made. Maybe if there's a, a demand among our listeners. Yeah, so if you, if you want, want a bumper sticker... Let us, us know. An email. Yeah, let us know. We'll yeah, we we need to make some up anyway. All right. All right. So we've got a topic tonight that I hope will be interesting. Uh, it has to do with religious militancy. Uh, we hear a lot about militant religious people. Uh, and, and, of course, the thing that probably rushes to our minds, first of all, is the, is the Muslims. Uh, you know, we talk about uh, Islamic terrorism. And we talk about the fact that the, the Muslim religion is purported to encourage its adherents to be violent, to Correct. be violently militant. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, we thought we'd comment about that briefly, then segue to a question about God's people being violently militant in Old Testament times. Right. And there's a lot of killing in the Old Testament. There was. Uh, and and some, some people use that uh, as an objection right. against... Christianity and against God, because the God of the Bible, they say, is very violent. Uh, if you don't like God. Islam doing that, well, what about yeah? How can, how can the you, Old Testament? How can you criticize Islam when the God you claim you serve had his people killed right and left in the okay. Old Testament? Right. That's a, that's an objection we got to be ready to right. deal with. Right. And then, finally, what about today? What about us as Christians? Should we be militant? Uh, and if so, how so? Some are being militant. Yeah. So that's that's what I, I think it's a worthy discussion. Uh, help us be ready to answer some objections people raise, but also maybe give us uh, some some reminders of what we're supposed to be doing. All right, we look forward to hearing from you again. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeview.com, and you're listening to us live tonight. You want to sign in to the bottom of the video feed there in the chat room and join in. All right, so we know that. Well, I mean, you can't if you, unless you're living in a cave. You know that. The religion of Islam is very militant, and, uh, well, the Koran encourages that. Actually, the Koran does encourage that to its current adherents. I mean, you know, people today who are practicing the religion of Islam are instructed in the Koran to be violently militant. I, I've got, what have I got here? i got five pages of quotes from the Koran. I'm not going to read them all, I promise. I just highlighted a few. I mean, you don't have to. you don't have to be... Uh, a very diligent researcher to come up with just tons of quotes from the Quran that teach violence. Here's an interesting fact, though. Uh, I assume this is accurate. It was on the Internet. It must be accurate. Yes, there is. Uh, in the 1,400-year history of Islam, and, and I th- that's a pretty good way to look at it. Islam began sometime in the 600s A.D. In this 1,400-year history of Islam, Muslims have killed over 270 million people. That's a pretty amazing statistic. Two hundred and seventy million. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty amazing to me. Wow, that is. But why would they do that? Mm-hmm. Well, just let me give you a sampling of some quotes from the Quran. The Messenger of Allah said, 
There is another act which elevates the position of a man to paradise. Uh, and then it goes on to say, what is that act? Jihad in the way of Allah. Jihad in the way of Allah. Jihad is holy warfare. Mm-hmm. And actually, they claim that that elevates you to a higher status in heaven. If, if you God really likes it if you do. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, the messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, said, quote, One who died but did not fight in the way of Allah, nor did he express any desire or t- determination for jihad, died the death of a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. You're a so, Muslim and you don't commit warfare. You're sort of a sissy. You're a hypocrite. Yeah. Uh, quickly, more quotes. Kill any Jew who falls under your power. Uh, another. Killing unbelievers is a small matter to us. Those were quoted words of Muhammad himself. Another quote. Allah said, a prophet must slaughter before collecting captives. A slaughtered enemy is driven from the land. Muhammad, you craved the desires of this world, its goods, and the ransom captives, and the ransom that captives would bring. But Allah desires killing them to manifest the religion. Mm. Another. Fight everyone in the way of Allah and kill those who disbelieve in Allah. Another, slay them wherever you find them. Drive them out of the places where they drove you out. For persecution of Muslims is worse than slaughter of non-believers. Another quote, let those fight in the way of Allah who sell the life of this world for the other. Whoso fighteth in the way of Allah, be he slain or be victorious on him, we shall bestow a vast reward. Uh, Those who believe fight in the cause of Allah. Another quote, I will cast terror into the hearts of those who disbelieve. Therefore, strike off their heads and strike off every fingertip of them. Another quote, fight with them until there is no more persecution in religion only be, and religion should be only for Allah. Another quote from the Quran. So when the sacred months have passed, slay the idolaters wherever you find them. Take them captives, besiege them, and lie in wait for them in every ambush. Again, fight them. Allah will punish them by your hands and bring them to disgrace. And again, go forth, light-armed and heavy-armed, and strive with your wealth and your lives in the way of Allah. That is best for you, if you but knew it. All right, so some might say you're taking that out of context, but we just have to look at the world around us to realize, well, that's what... Well, if we're taking it out, then there's there's just a ton more quotes. If we're taking it out of context, the adherents of Islam are also taking it. it. Yeah, Yeah. right. Uh, And so, yeah, it seems to be that their actions are well-founded based upon what the Quran is teaching. Uh, Anthony in Columbia says, I wish I knew more about this. I think it's important for people to gather information for themselves firsthand rather than through the potentially biased or erroneous filter of someone else. At one point, I set set out to read the Quran but didn't make it very far. If I take what I hear at face value, it clearly teaches jihad. Certainly, the secular history of Islam is drenched in innocent blood. And so Anthony's saying, well, he's, he's read it some, and he sees some things there that if he were to take them at face value, teach that, and those who adhere to it, he says, throughout history have been shedding innocent blood. And so Anthony seems to say, yeah, it does support that yeah. idea. Yeah, I, I, I really think it's pretty clear. And, and as we said, you know, the manifestation of it is in what they're doing today and 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 what they have done historically, right. and what Muhammad himself even did historically. If you read the life, uh, if you read the uh, documentation on the life of Muhammad, he was quite a violent guy, yeah. and and uh, killed a lot of people. So you know, I don't I don't think that uh, anyone, a Muslim or otherwise, who's really being seriously honest about it, can deny the fact that that's what's taught. Now, 
it might be, and I think it probably is the case, that there are some Muslims who say, well, that's what it teaches, but that's not what we do. You know, we, we sort of discount that part of, right. you know. And, and that's not unusual because there are certainly people who claim to be Bible believers who discount parts of the Bible right. and say, you know, yeah, it, says, it, it says that I can't divorce my wife and marry somebody else, but I don't, I don't really believe that. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, yeah. I don't live by that rule. Yeah. You know, so, uh, you know, there may be, and probably are lots of Muslims who don't buy, live by the rule of jihad, as clearly taught in the Quran. But what we're saying is it's in there. Yeah. It's clearly there. All right. Let us know your thoughts. 877 Kevin says, Peter was commanded to kill. And you think, I think he's saying that tongue-in-cheek. He references uh, Acts 10, verse 13, and Acts 11, verse 17, where Peter was told, rise, kill, and eat. Yeah, but he was talking about animals there, yeah, not, right. not that's right. Not, not, not taken out of question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. context. All right, guess thirty four hundred. Interesting how often the encouragement of killing non believers is mentioned in the Quran. I'm actually surprised that there aren't more Muslims killing, even though there are many that do, but compared to the whole Muslim population, not a lot do. Yeah. I, I think that's right. I mean I think a lot of us are quite alarmed by Islamic terrorism. Uh, and the kind of things that we hear in the news on a regular basis. Uh, but a lot of people have said, and I think it's uh, certainly true, that the vast majority of Muslims are, are not practicing that. But why aren't they speaking out against it? That's the con- that's one of the big questions, you know. But our, 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 I meant to say this early on. Our intention here is not to get political about this. All right. But right. We're, we're just pointing out that... And Muslims are not the only ones who have been militant in regards to their religious beliefs over time. Plenty of people have. We're going to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about the Israelites in the Old Testament. They were they were pretty violently militant at times in their history as well. They were. And so uh, let's talk about that when we get back from All break. Right, we'll take a break. Okay, clearly we see the Quran teaches jihad, militancy. What about the Old Testament? Well, I think it's going to be clear again that... Israelites were commanded to be militant. Does that cause us any problems? Let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The Virtual Bible Study will be back right after this. Hi, this is Jordan Sanders from College View Church of Christ, and here's some thoughts for you today. Have you ever wondered why there never seems to be enough time to get everything done? Well, we may now have the answer. According to an article in U.S. News, an average American in his lifetime will spend six months at a stop sign, eight months opening junk mail, one year looking for misplaced items, two years unsuccessfully trying to return telephone calls, five years waiting in a line, and six years eating. Other recent studies suggest that we will spend as much as 20 years watching TV and even more time sleeping. Now, to put this in proper perspective, think of this. If you attend every service of church, Sunday Bible study, Sunday morning and evening worship, and Wednesday night Bible study, you will spend only about 1.5 years total. That's only slightly more time than you will spend looking for misplaced items and only about twice as much time as you will spend opening junk mail. But some Christians will not even do this much. Over and over again, we return to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Do not forsake the assembly of ourselves together. God commands us to assemble. Why? The context of this verse clearly shows that it is for our benefit. Are you taking advantage of this great blessing? Christian, how are you using your time? If you don't regularly attend all of the services, you may be spending more time opening junk mail than worshiping God. Isn't that a terrifying thought? Here's some quotes worth pondering. We should live our lives by design rather than by default. What you're doing today is what you are becoming. Successfully serving God requires making religion the main business of your life. 
Man, wish I'd said that. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. And we're back on the program tonight as we talk about religious militancy. We're seeing it in the world today. We've seen it throughout history, and so maybe surprising that we've seen it in the Old Testament. I want to talk about that. Now look forward to your thoughts. Sign in the chat room if you're not signed in there already. Yeah. All right. So now we got to be honest with ourselves. We said you know Muslims need to be honest about what the Quran teaches. Well, let's be honest about what the Bible teaches then, okay. you know, because a lot, a lot of times we get challenged about this. There are some people who are quite turned off by all the killing in the Old Testament, killing which was commanded by God. Right. Uh, for instance, uh, when the Israelites were told to take the land of Canaan, the, the Lord instructed them, and that's probably the bloodiest part of their history, that God instructed them to sort of annihilate the people who were in the promised land at the time. Look in Deuteronomy chapter uh, 7. Should have had this open already. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, beginning verse 1, When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land, whither thou goest to possess it, and hath cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites, and the Gergesites, and the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than thou. And when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them, and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them. Neither shalt thou make marriages with them. Thy daughter thou shalt not give to his son. His daughter shalt thou not take unto thy son. And so on it goes. They will turn away thy son from following me. Uh, that that was the big concern. You shall de- you shall deal with them. Uh, you shall destroy their altars, break down their images, cut down their groves, burn their graven images with fire. So that was the general idea. And that's not poetic language. No, that's literal. That's literal. In fact, when uh, so Deuteronomy, of course, is sort of the final words of Moses right. uh, to the children of Israel. Joshua took over. So they enter into the promised land. The first city they come to is Jericho. Joshua 6, verse 21, They utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, both young and old, and ox and sheep and ass with the edge of the sword. Okay. So they were told to do it, and they proceeded to do it. Right. Uh, And one of the things that uh, I think is really troubling to a lot of people is they killed the children. Mm-hmm. You know, even infants, suckling children, they killed the children. Uh, how how can we justify that? Uh, that's a big problem a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the atheists will throw that in your face. When you're oh, I mean, almost every time. Yeah. What kind of God you got? goes around and wipes out women and children. What kind of God is that? Yeah. So how, how would we respond? And we're looking for your feedback, too, uh, in, in the chat room or by email. Give us a call if you like. Uh, what do you think? And they and they weren't they weren't acting beyond God's instruction when they killed women and children. In fact, God commanded it over in First Samuel chapter fifteen. Remember the account of uh, going against uh, King Agad and the Amalekites. Remember what the God instructed them in verse two, First Samuel fifteen. We'll start with verse one. Samuel also said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people over Israel. Now therefore heed the voice of the words of the Lord. This is God. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and utterly attack Amalek and utterly destroy all they have and do not spare them but kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. God said specifically, 
kill the women, kill the babies, kill the nursing babies. And sort of like we were saying about Islam, that's not subject to interpretation. No, it's not. You know, that's, that's, that's what he told them to do. So how do we explain that? I think it's our burden, our burden to have to answer that accusation. Well, the first thing that I would point out would be that God had been patient with these people for they were very immoral people. They did they did horrible atrocities. They 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 offered their own children as mm-hmm. as sacrifices to their pagan gods. Uh, they were very sexually immoral. Uh, they they had uh, uh, prostitution as an act of religious service at their pagan temples and so forth. Right. They they were a a very wicked people. God had had been patient with them for a long time. In fact, there's an interesting statement made in Genesis chapter 15, verse 15. God was promising to Abraham that he was going to give this land to his descendants, but not yet. Uh, He said, uh, verse 13, Genesis 15, 13, Abram, know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs and shall serve them and they shall afflict them for 400 years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge and afterwards they shall come out with a great substance. Thou shalt go in peace to thy fathers. Uh, thou shalt be buried in good old age. Notice this, verse 16, Genesis 15. But in the fourth generation they shall come hither, back to the land of Canaan, they shall come hither again for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. In other words, God knew what was going on with those Amorites. and But he said, I'm not going to punish them yet, but in 400 years. He says, there, the reason wasn't reason he didn't give Abraham the land right then, the iniquity of the Amorites is not full. Yeah. But, but he, so for hundreds more years, he patiently waited. They never turned from their wickedness. They got more and more wicked. Their iniquity became full. And then God used the Israelites as an agent to punish them when they took the promised land away from them. All right, so I get that. They they were very wicked. They were doing terrible things. So that takes care of the men and the women. What about the infant child and the nursing child? They've done no evil. What's up with that? Why kill those? Um I th- and I think that's the big... If these were horrible pagan people, and if they were, in fact, sacrificing babies to idols and doing all this horrible immorality of every kind, okay, good enough for them. They should be killed, maybe. But what about those babies? Right. I mean, come on. What about the babies? First thing you got to... Uh, I, th- I think the first principle you have to factor into this is if men are going to be allowed free choice, and, you know, the ability to make choices, then the consequences of their choices have to be accepted as well. Right. Sometimes innocent people suffer the consequences of other men's wrongs. Right. Uh, we still see that today. You know, if, if, if on the way home tonight I get hit by a drunk driver uh, and uh, end up being killed or paralyzed or who knows what, I didn't do anything wrong. Why should I have to suffer mm-hmm. for what that guy did? Mm-hmm. Well, it's just a fact of life that sometimes innocent people suffer the, the consequences of other people's wrongs. Right. And in the case of those innocent ones who were killed in those wars uh, that were directed by God, we would say they are the innocent victims of the wrongs of their forefathers or their parents, their ancestors. So I would say that would be part of the answer. The other part of the answer, I think, is we got to be careful not to measure everything by this world's perspective. If what we believe is true, 
then those innocent children died in their innocency and will be rewarded by God eternally. If they had grown to maturity, they would have followed, almost certainly followed the immoral path of their forefathers and ended up being doomed eternally. Right. But in the sense that they were taken in their innocence, for them, eternally, from the eternal perspective, and that, that's the thing that we have trouble judging. I think a lot of times, a lot of times we, we don't look at things that way, but if we look at it that way, then then their death was not a bad thing. Well, and Kevin is echoing that in the chat room. He says, we need to be careful in our concern for babies being killed. They do not have sin and will enter into paradise without sin. Uh, so... Um, he said it'd be a longer study to show that, but we agree with you, Kevin, that as you just said, that that their eternal destiny, a destiny which really is all that matters, is secure with God. I think that's the key right okay. there. Uh, now, I want to I want to admit right up front that I don't think that that's a particularly satisfying answer to the atheist who is trying to make that objection because I've tried it before, but they don't because because they don't believe in eternity anyway, and so they're not going to be able to to see it from. That perspective, but it's ironic that they're making that argument when they defend the killing of, in, of innocent babies in the, the act of abortion. Yeah, uh, it's somewhat, and and they defend it by saying, well, it wouldn't be good for that baby to come into the world into yeah. a home that can't I hadn't support about it, that. or you know, it wouldn't be good for him to come into a home where the it's unwanted, it's unwanted. Yeah, yeah, yeah be better to die than be unwanted. Yeah, so it's uh, you don't really have any, they don't have any moral ground to stand on. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Yeah, uh, but, but again, I I I am satisfied with that explanation. I guess what I'm saying is that that explanation gives me uh, satisfaction, and I'm and and I'm uh, so that I'm not just torn up about those innocent babies who got killed in the wars of the Old Testament. Uh, it, it does me some good to to have that answer available. So God God was using. He was using various nations of people, Israelites certainly. Sometimes he used other nations against the Israelites to administer punishment and judgment against them when they did evil. Sometimes the Israelites were the agents that God used to bring judgment on others. Sometimes other nations were God's agents to bring judgment on the Israelites. I know, and I'd have to look for the quote, uh, God called Nebuchadnezzar, the great Babylonian king, he called him my servant, Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was doing the will of God when he came and punished Judah, carried him away into captivity. So God was using nations in that fashion. The reason we know that is because we have revelation that describes it to us. Is God still using nations to punish people today? Uh, well, I think God still rules in the affairs of men, but the, the difference is we don't have revelation where we can say, there it is, and we, we he can told, prove it. Yeah, he told France to go against Italy, punish yeah. him, yeah. Yeah, we, we, we don't have that now, so we can't say that with the same certainty. Yeah. All right. Uh, in the chat room, several comments that we've missed. Uh, Kevin says, of all the killing in the New Testament, the killing happening was at the hands of the Jews or other Greeks, not Christians. And so there's a change. We're going to talk about that when we get back from the break. He says the threats of death came from outside God's people in the new dispensation. He goes on and says we can make the same case for Old Testament physical death as what God tells us he will do spiritually in the day of judgment. And so there is a type and a type relationship there of the punishment in the Old Testament was physical versus the spiritual punishment coming in uh, the New Testament times. Um, He says many greater numbers and ratio will likely be condemned at that judgment. Uh, And so uh, we appreciate those comments from Kevin tonight. All right. Um, 
guest four, uh, 6458 says, God wanted no evil or idol worship among them. That One of the things that God was doing when he told them to to rid the promised land of those nations was that he, as we read there in Deuteronomy, Moses was warning, if you let these people stay, they will lead you away into their pagan practices. And they did. Yes, they did. Because they, they did, weren't they, thorough they, they in they eradicating it. That's right. They weren't thorough in ridding the, the land of Canaan of those idolatrous tribes. And those tribes became a thorn and a snare, and and uh, the Israelites were taken in. All right. All right. Uh, we'll go ahead and take a break at this week's bullet point, and then when we get back, we'll take your thoughts. Now bringing it to us today, should we be militant? Those in the religion of Islam are. They were in the Old Testament serving the God we serve. Does that mean we should be militant today? Some folks who claim to be Christian are being militant uh, is that the right approach? Let us know your thoughts. We'll get uh, this week's bullet point. Get your thoughts on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. It's easy to become overwhelmed at the thought of a big assignment or a difficult challenge. Sometimes the contemplation of a long, hard task makes us weary even before we begin. In such instances, it can be helpful to break the job down into smaller, doable segments. As these manageable bites are accomplished, the whole project ultimately gets completed. As we begin this new year, think of some of the things that need to be done, some of the things that you know you should be doing, and think positively about each one. Have the attitude that says, I can do that. For instance, I can read my Bible every day. That's doable, and in the process, I will become a better Bible student. I can attend worship services and Bible study. Taken one at a time, this will soon add up to a whole year of faithful service, a whole year of gaining strength, a whole year of encouraging my brethren, a whole year of glorifying God. Wow, that's really worth doing, and I can do that. I can talk to my friend, my neighbor, my family member, or my co-worker about my faith in Christ and the blessings it brings into my life. Who knows? That may lead to a conversion over the course of time. I can do that. I can pray for my brethren, thinking seriously and regularly about their spiritual and physical well-being. As I do, they will become helped, and I will develop a stronger and more caring relationship with them. And again, that's something I can do. There are lots of little things that are within my grasp, and they all add up to some really good and necessary accomplishments for the Lord. All I need is an attitude that says, I can do that. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I'm Arthur Haynes from Kaleoka, Tennessee, and one of my greatest highlights of the week is to listen to the Virtual Bible Study. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. We're back on the program tonight, reminding you that this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us at our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. We haven't mentioned it well, in at least two weeks. You can podcast sermons that have been presented to the College of Church there. Find out how to do that. Sign up with uh, the podcast. We got two podcasts going out two on a podcasts. typical week. Yeah. On a typical week, you'll have the podcast of the virtual Bible study. If you don't get to listen live, you can listen driving to work. Uh, uh, I got an email today uh, from our friend uh, Chris in Atlanta, yeah. and he said the last two weeks he said apparently he listens to the podcast when he's jogging on Friday morning. He says the last two weeks on Friday morning he hadn't been able to listen to the virtual Bible study. He missed it, and we appreciate that. Uh, but you can listen to the virtual Bible study podcast. Uh, and you can typically listen to a sermon. Uh, and, man, if, if all this podcasting thing, if you subscribe to our feed, it's going to be there. You don't even have to do anything. It's going to be there. Yeah, do it. Sign up there. 
And we can't, we got to mention the Bible reading calendar again because it's not too late to sign up for or to get that. Download it, print it, yeah. or just reference we're, it from your smartphone or we'll mail you a copy. Yeah, but we leave that up all year long. It'll yeah. be right on our homepage at collegeview.com all year long. You just go there, click on it, and, and the calendar pops up and you, you, you can go right to the day and know what you're supposed Five to read. Five days a week. You got a busy day of the week and you miss. You got two days on the weekend to catch up. I use those two days on the weekend. So you got, you can do five days in seven and you'll be good. Yeah, that's, what I, that's the part I really like about that schedule. That's right. you got some flexibility. All right. We're talking about religious military. It's thevirtualbiblestudy.com, by the way. And we do want your questions at any time, questions at collegeu.com. And I don't know, are we still light on the program suggestions and, and questions? Yeah. Uh, our stack is, is not too thick right now. If you have questions, if you'd like to ask a question or suggest a topic, let us know. We're always uh, uh looking for that kind of suggestion and i've been having some correspondence with us a listener about marriage and divorce we need to put that in the stack we need to have a, a discussion about marriage and divorce i think yeah. again been a while on that one but if you've got questions or suggestions questions at collegeview.com is the email address to use all right um religious militancy okay let's bring it to christians we talked about muslims we talked about the israelites in the old testament all right well that's not us we're not serving uh, in the religion of Islam, and we're not living under that Old Testament law, but we're still serving the same God of the Old Testament. So what about Christians today? Are, and we just asked the simple question, are Christians to be militant? But then we followed up with that by asking, if so, how should we demonstrate that militancy? Well, uh, Anthony emailed in and said, no, absolutely not. Jesus specifically told his followers not to fight because his kingdom was not of this world in John 18, verse 36. So I think the first answer, the first part of this answer is we're not to be physically militant. And I think that is the powerful verse to use is the one that Anthony used, John 18, 36. Remember, uh, uh, Pilate was questioning Jesus. He'd already been arrested. When one of his disciples tried to defend him with a sword, when Peter tried to defend him with a sword in the Garden of Gethsemane, when they came to arrest him, Jesus rebuked Peter yeah. and said, put your sword away. Uh, so he wouldn't let his disciples fight. And Jesus said to, to uh, Pilate, said, I am, uh, he says, uh, uh, he said, are you the king of the Jews? And uh, and so forth. And and finally Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom no. were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Yeah. And so Jesus was specifically saying that that's not what his kingdom is all about. Physical violence, physical warring is not what his kingdom is about. Yeah. So I think Anthony's uh, Anthony's answer is exactly right if we're talking about physical militancy, yeah. uh, taking up arms, going to war. Now, there have been a lot of episodes in history where Christians did that. Mm-hmm. You know, probably one of the best known and often most often cited examples of Christians being war, warring in, in nature <coughs> is that of the... Uh, uh, crusades. Yes. Uh, interestingly, the Christians who went in the Crusades were going to fight the Muslims mm-hmm. because the Muslims had been taking over territory and and uh, in the in the region around about Palestine, and the Crusades were actually to to drive back the Muslims. So it was it it involved Muslims too. The Crusades mm-hmm. did, 
And the, and the Muslims, if you do a little studying about the Crusades, the Muslims had been committing a lot of atrocities that provoked the Christians to go after them in, during the period of the Crusades. That's probably the best known episode in history of Christians fighting physically for their cause in, it, it, as an army, as yeah. a literal army. Uh, just recently, uh, my wife and I were watching a, a show that talked about the run-up to the Civil War in the United States and, it, and it talking about things that occurred in Kansas. Kansas was a real battleground area between the North and the South. Uh, they even called it, I think, Bleeding Kansas. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a lot of lot of stuff going on in Kansas, and there was one, and and there were some there who were who were in favor of abolishing slavery, and the and the guy's name was John Brown. John Brown was very much against slavery, and in the course of 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 this, his followers became increasingly militant with the taking up of arms and fighting and killing. And uh, uh, and so I, I just mentioned that to point out that there have been lots of episodes and lots of different times and places where people wearing the name Christian have taken up arms and fought physically. I think that's not what Jesus wanted. I don't right. think he ever wanted his people to take up arms to right. promote his cause. And I would use the, the primary verse I would use uh, to prove that point would be the one that Anthony brought up, John eighteen thirty six. Well, and he also uh, specifically forbade it. Uh, we remember this incident uh, when they're coming to get Jesus, and Peter whips out his sword and cuts Malchus's ear off. Uh, Jesus doesn't put it back up. We're not doing that. Uh, so uh, we see Jesus is again refusing the the violent approach. And and then, as Kevin mentioned in the chat room earlier, go through the New Testament. Now, there's some killing in the New Testament. But not by the Christians. Jesus never taught it and actually forbade it. We read about his disciples as, as Christianity developed and spread and grew. They never took up arms. They never, they, they didn't even take up defensive weapons to defend themselves against violent persecution that they were suffering. Yeah. Uh, uh, there, there was killing, but it wasn't on the part of the, of the Christians. So our point would be, if we're going to follow Jesus, and if we're going to imitate those first Christians, we're not going to be violently militant either. Yeah, an interesting comment from a guest 6458 in the chat room. Christians are told to put on the whole armor of God. We cannot fear, but use the word as our weapon. Now, that comes from Ephesians chapter 6, of course. And uh, Galatians, Ephesians chapter 6 tells us that we need to put on the whole armor of God. Now, notice this armor is spiritual not physical now if it was if this was in the Quran, this armor would probably be some uh, suicide vest and uh other weaponry but notice what it's here it's ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 finally my brethren be strong in the lord and in the power of his might put on the whole armor of god that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil we do not wrestle against flesh and blood notice that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places therefore take up the whole armor of god that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand stand therefore having girded your waist with truth having put on the breastplate of righteousness having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace above all taking the shield of faith 
with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation, which is the sword of the Spirit. I'm sorry, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all these, uh, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So Paul's telling us here that we do need armor, but that armor is entirely those, those, spiritual those in nature. Those are all spiritual things. Yeah, right. and, and, and really all defensive with the exception of the sword of the Spirit. The only offensive weapon is the Word of God. Right. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, Paul says, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So notice, we don't use carnal warfare. Yeah. We don't use carnal weapons, uh, but we use the we use the spiritual word of God as our offensive tool. All right, yeah. But And, and you know, you think about that, and you see it lived out in the life of Paul, who said that. You see it lived out in the life of those early Christians. They were following Christ. Christ said, it, Christ never. So what's the difference? What's the difference between Islam and Christianity? Well, Islam's leader told them to kill. Go out and slay people wherever you find them. Jesus never taught that. And his first disciples never practiced that. Now, have Christians done that in the course of time? Yes. Yeah, uh, by misinterpreting Scripture and by misapplying it and doing things that they shouldn't have done. We're not denying that. But Christ, whoever, whatever Christians have gone a-warring in the name of Christianity have not done it with the authority of the Scriptures. Okay. All right. That's a, that's a good point. We've we got to be careful of that even in our... As you're evaluating something, don't evaluate the adherents. Evaluate... The, the standard. Yeah. And we can't look at Chris, or so-called Christianity as a whole and say, well, it's wrong because they do this. No, it's right or wrong based upon the standard, not the way that people live out that standard. Yeah. yeah I mean, you can criticize you, you can criticize anything if you want to t- talk about the people who abuse it. Right. I mean, uh, and you can certainly criticize Christianity if hey, you, you want to use the if you want to use the people who've perverted it through the centuries then but that's you know, don't, we we don't, don't feel any burden to defend the misuse of scripture right right don't throw out the baby with the bathwater i mean you could def, you could uh you could condemn the donut shop because there's folks who are abusing those donuts but uh, that doesn't necessarily make the donut shop a bad thing yeah all right we haven't talked to josh we josh is on the board and josh, josh is here tonight josh thanks for being here yeah guys i'm glad to be here thanks for having me any comments yet on that side of things um i was thinking about Luke chapter 9 and verse 54, uh, some of the disciples, when Jesus was going to be rejected, they asked Jesus, you're going to command that we, uh, you know, you rain down fire from heaven and consume them? And in verse 56, it's when Jesus said, Luke 9, 56, for the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. So spiritual warfare, we're not fighting against other people, but against the real enemy, which is Satan. I I think that's a great point. The Samaritans wouldn't accept him into their city. And so James and John said, well, we should, you want us to call down fire? We'll just, we'll just burn them up right here. We'll burn their houses down. And Jesus rebuked them for that. Yeah, they, I think, we, the Bible never says exactly, but a lot of people think that's where James and John got their nicknames, the Sons of Thunder, because they had that sort of fiery uh, intention to, to bring harm. But Jesus um, rebuked them for it. That's not what we're about. Excellent comment. And that... And that, that is so it contrasts so vividly with what the Quran is teaching. Those who are opposing 
the Mohammed wanted them to, in other words, throw down fire on them and uh, and destroy them for those who oppose. Jesus says, no, we're not doing that. And uh, that's uh, along the lines of what Kevin says in the chat room. He says, a convert from Islam, and this is the Islamic convert that we interviewed on the virtual Bible study probably two or three years ago now, said, uh, recently he told me that a powerful truth of God is that he commands us to love our enemies, absolutely the opposite of the teaching of the Quran. There you go. And that, that, that is a, a stark difference. And so, so thanks well, for that comment, uh, Of Kevin. course, you know, uh, those are famous words of Jesus. I mean, we were quoting words of Muhammad earlier, uh, but the words of Jesus are, uh, blessed are you when you're persecuted for righteousness' sake, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted today the prophets which were before you. So in other words, he says basically says suffer it. Uh, uh, don't don't defend yourself against that sort of persecution. Uh, he said that, that was Sermon on the Mount. Later in the same Sermon on the Mount. He said, verse 44 of Matthew 5, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. Uh, Muhammad said, kill them, cut their heads off, cut their fingers off. (laughs) Jesus said, do good to them and pray for them. That's a real contrast. We're going to take a break. When we get back from the top of the hour, we're going to continue the discussion. Should we be militant now? We need to flip that coin over. There is a sense in which we very much should be militant. That's right. That's right. How should we be militant today? Is there any militancy that's acceptable, even maybe expected? We want to hear from you. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study goes to the top of the hour right after this. Enjoying the Virtual Bible Study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. Tonight on Channel 8 WSIN, it's TV like you've never seen it before. Starting at 8, it's TV's funniest new comedy, Fornication in the City, and Marie has been misbehaving again. Guess what? I just cheated on my husband. He doesn't even know about it. (laughs) And then at 8.30, it's the show that's setting the standard. You won't want to miss this week's I Love This World, where Bob makes a great announcement. Well, I think it's time you knew the truth. I'm gay. (laughs) And at 9 o'clock, it's the show that Television Magazine has called the number one drama for murder and violence. You won't want to miss this week's In Cold Blood to see who will be the next to be gunned down. It all starts tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 8 WSIN. I'm Greg Gwynn, reminding you that sin is a terrible thing and that those who are entertained by watching others sin fall under the condemnation of God that is mentioned in Romans 1.28. Be careful what you watch on television, because in spite of what the devil wants you to think, sin is always sin, and it's never funny. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. A recent survey found these top resolutions Americans plan to make for the new year. 21% weight loss. 14% improved finances. 14% exercise. 10% get a new job, 7% healthier eating, 5% manage stress better, 5% stop or reduce smoking, 5% improve a relationship, 3% stop procrastinating, 3% set aside time for self, 3% start a new activity or hobby, 2% improve my work habits, 2% stop or reduce drinking alcohol, 1% learn to say no. 
noticeably lacking any emphasis on spiritual things. That information is via Harris Interactive Poll. The Word of God says in 1 Timothy 4, verse 8, For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is, and of that which is to come. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. We're back on the program tonight. Go to the top of the hour talking about militancy. We've talked about the fact that, uh, well, those in the religion of Islam are militant. Those in the Old Testament were at God's instruction. I think we missed Anthony's comment on that. Anthony had a, uh, a pertinent discussion, a comment about it. He says, the Old Testament references to violence are unique. They were direct commands from God, and God knows all and is the most on, most only righteous one. This militancy was judgment from God. It was not a general principle taught by God to be propagated. These were isolated, unique circumstances. And that's interesting, because God had instructed them when to exact yeah, his judgment. You, know, you, you referenced 1 Samuel 15 when God told King Saul, go and utterly destroy the Amalekites. Right. He didn't say... Go out and kill everybody you find. I, I just want you to go out there and kill everybody. Yeah. He, he, he had a specific assignment yeah. to a specific people. Yeah. I think that's a really good observation that Anthony made there. But what about us? Let's, let's, let's talk about Christian militancy in the spiritual sense. So I hope everybody got our point real clearly. Absolutely no taking up of arms, no physical fighting. Uh, that's completely contrary to the teaching of Jesus and completely contrary to the uh, uh, practice of his early disciples, as we read in the pages of the New Testament. So no taking up of arms to promote our cause. But there is a sense, in the spiritual sense, we're supposed to be militant for our cause spiritually. We, uh, you know, This is very similar to the idea of religious zeal we're supposed to be zealous for our cause we should be out there promoting it as much as we possibly can passages like jude verse three earnestly contend for the faith you know the word contend suggests a fight a fight not a physical fight but there's a spiritual fight at hand and we're to we're to contend earnestly contend for the faith is what jude three verse says um when the apostle paul was arrested and as as he was in rome awaiting trial in rome he wrote the book of philippians and in philippians 1 verse 7 he said i am set for the defense of the gospel well how are you going to defend the gospel paul you're going to you're going to get a you know you're going to get an army you're going to get a bunch of people with swords and spears uh in our day should we we should defend the gospels we get cannons and airplanes and rifles no paul never did any of that right he defended the gospel but he didn't do it with physical force. But he def- he felt a, I am set. He said, I am set for the defense of the gospel. He he viewed himself uh, uh, as a militant one. Uh, he even told Timothy, Second Timothy chapter two verse three, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Timothy wasn't a soldier who had a sword right. or a spear. Uh, he wasn't. A, if he was in our day, he wouldn't have a rifle or a gun promoting the cause of Christianity. But he was still a soldier in the battle. All right. Yeah. Absolutely. Now that's contrast again with what a lot of folks in our so-called religiously tolerant uh, world today, our postmodern world. Let's not let's not argue with anybody about this. It's not. You know, I saw a bumper sticker today. The old coexist bumper sticker was is still out and about. With all the religious symbols on it, we just yeah. all need to get along and 
Let's not uh, let's not challenge anybody on their beliefs. A different picture again painted here. We do need to be in this spiritual world where we're 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 combating the influence of of Satan in the world. Yeah. Uh, and I think that is a, a noticeable difference in our day and age. You know, it wasn't that long ago when even among Christians, religious debates were common. You know, I, I, when I when I was a young man, a young preacher, I attended lots of debates. Debates happened fairly regularly. Now you can't find anybody who's willing to debate their cause. Right. Well, what's the difference? I just think it's a difference. People have just me- mellowed out of the militancy that God expects of us in defending what we believe. All right. Not with arms or guns or, or you know, physical force, but with with our arguments of the of the truth. And again, not to be ugly about that, but being uh, diligent in, in, in combating against the false doctrines that are in the world. Kevin in the chat room says, Matthew 10, verse 16, Jesus said, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Yeah, I think that's a good. Uh, I mean, that's that's very fits that passage very well fits with the concept that we're that we're describing here. Uh, we're supposed to actually hate evil. Um, a, a passage that we've referenced before in the virtual Bible study is Psalm one nineteen verse one o four. Psalm 119.104 says, uh, I had it here a minute ago. Uh, Though through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Now, in other words, we're supposed to we're supposed to be riled up by by evil. We're supposed to be riled up by false doctrine. Uh, it's supposed to provoke a reaction in us, just not a physical not reaction. a physical reaction. Yeah, uh, and we got to be careful that it doesn't. But we do need a reaction, and it's just so lacking in the religious world today. You know, a couple of weeks ago we were reviewing that article by the Baptist, which he called us heretics. And we commented that that was refreshing to be called a heretic, because it's hard to get anybody even to consider you a heretic or care that you disagree. Uh, and we are told that we need to be disagreeing Look, with Ro- there. Romans 12, verse 9, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Yeah. One of our big problems is that we don't hate evil enough. Yeah. And we need to have that kind of militancy. Josh, any thoughts along that line? Yeah. Yeah, I was just uh, especially thinking about Second Timothy four verse seven. You know, I, I hope that anybody that's a Christian at the end of their life, the goal is to be like Paul. And I have fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. I mean, so we are fighting. He talked about a fight, didn't he? Yeah. Excellent way to bring that in, Josh. Thank you for that. Exactly. Uh, right. Yeah, it is a fight, a spiritual fight, not a physical fight. Um. Trying to think of anything else here that I, I had. I had some notes here, but I'm, I'm kind of just been skipping around. Uh, look at Acts 15. Okay. In Acts 15, there were some people who were teaching false doctrine, leading people astray. Acts 15, verse one: Certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, "Except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved." When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them. They determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. It, it, it wasn't just a, a minor disagreement. He said they had no small dissension and disputation with those false teachers. So I think you would, if if you were going to describe the Apostle Paul, I think a word that would very well fit him would be the word militant. He was militant for his cause. He never fought a, a physical battle. You know, actually, he did. He he was before he was converted. 
as a Jew, he was, he was physically. physically persecuting Christians. He was throwing them in jail, giving his vote against them when they were being put to death. So he was no, no stranger to that. Yeah, that's kind of an interesting thought. I hadn't really thought about that. But you, when, when you think about that, uh, he he went from that form of militancy yeah. to the, the, so, the so, peaceful militancy of standing for the truth. There was no foreign concept to him. He knew how it was done. He If it was the practice that God had wanted. He, 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 was, he was the one who was sort of in charge when Stephen was stoned to death. And uh, they laid their coats at his feet. So it gives the impression he was sort of overseeing that stoning. Yeah. And so he went from physically militant to one who would not be. Yeah, a drastic change and certainly yeah. led by the Spirit uh, to make that change. And so we see that the Christianity is not a physically violent or militant religion. Not physically, but we we are to stand for what's right. Spiritually, yes. when, when Paul was in Jerusalem and there were some false teachers, uh, Galatians 2, verse 5, he says, concerning those false teachers, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Yeah. Paul wasn't going to back down from any doctrinal fight, but he wasn't going to physically fight to do it. All right. We're getting close to the end of the hour, 877. Well, it's too late for that. Uh, um, Kevin says it's a great example to wrap up with. It is. It is uh, appreciate you bringing that out. Uh, go along, get along. How sad, I guess, 6458 is. And that is the mantra that we hear in our society. They don't say anybody's wrong. Don't say that any... I mean, we can't, it, we're told you can't even say that the, the Islamic religion is wrong. Just got to get along with it. Yeah, you know, even the Pope has come out, you know, and, and suggested, you know, uh, uh, that we ought to be more tolerant uh, of, of religions that don't even acknowledge Jesus Christ as the Son of God, which is just shocking. We need people who are picking up their sword. Their spiritual sword, not their yeah. physical sword, and fighting against the false doctrine that's so prevalent in the world today. Yeah. Not physically, but spiritually fighting that good fight. Yeah. All right. Josh, anything else? Uh, the only other thing I was thinking is Ezekiel 18 and verse 32. I think you can make the application physically and spiritually. God says, I have no pleasure in the death of him that dieth, saith the Lord God. Wherefore, turn yourselves and live you. So, uh, you know, spiritually, we need to turn to God and, and, and live. Exactly right. Josh, thanks for being here tonight, helping us out, and for the good comments. Thanks for having me, guys. And, uh, Dad, thank you for being here. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you for your time. We're back in the saddle. We look forward to uh, our weekly Internet Bible study group uh, every Thursday night. more time off for a long time. That's right. For our listeners. We want you to be back here next week. Yeah, exactly right. right. Thank you for your time. We hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. We hope you make plans, as we said, to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life. Study his inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.